Uh, this past week, I was, I was out all week, um, finishing my last class, uh, and so I was really slammed, and it wasn't, okay, thank you. <laughs> Uh, and so I called Jack Dowden on Tuesday and said, man, I'd really not, like to not have to write a sermon and a dissertation proposal in one week. So, uh, so I asked, and, he, uh, and so he is going to come forward and share God's word. We also have a very new baby in our midst, so don't applause or wake, you'll wake her up. The proper name is Helena. Helena. The proper name is Helena. Get it right. Or mom will tear you apart. Anyway, we're so glad to have a, a new life in our midst. And so we're excited about that as well. So I'm going to turn it over to Jack now and, uh, and let him say deep and important things. Story. Yeah. Or kind of, you know, they make up our lives, don't they? Everything is a story. Um, how you guys met and fell in love and got married, there's a story there, you know, before this new, new arrival. Uh, there's, there's interesting stories, there's silly stories. Uh, right before the service, Mark and uh, Chris, I walk up to him and I'm like, I'm not used to the, is, do I have this on right? And Mark goes, you doofus, you got the thing stuck in your ear. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's my hearing aid, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. He didn't really call me a doofus, but the story's funnier that way. So um, Orville and Pat celebrated last October, I think, 71 years of marriage. Stories, I'm going to guess. There were a lot of stories in those 71 years. Some good, some bad, some poignant, I'm sure. And so Jordan, in case you missed this, has been talking about stories, Jesus' stories, parables, we call them, from Scripture for the last few weeks. At least a couple, because I've tried to pay attention. And, and here, I'll, I'll say this right at the beginning. Jordan is a preacher. I mean, he really is, and I appreciate him so much. I'm really just a storyteller. But I see Jesus as being a masterful storyteller. You know, the, the story where Jesus is up on the hillside, and, and everyone's spread out before him. And I, I get the sense that maybe he even sat down, and the, and the fields, flowers everywhere, you know? I get that sense that maybe that was how this happened. And maybe Jesus even reached over and he, he picked up one of those flowers. And he said, behold the lilies of the field. They don't toil or spin. And I tell you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed as one of these. And if God so clothes the grass of the field which is here today and gone tomorrow, will he not so much more clothe you, O you of little faith? And I'm like, that's... That's a masterful story. It was something they could see and something they could touch and something that was right there in front of them. And Jesus told stories throughout Scripture. Sometimes I think we get the stories wrong. I'm going to share with you something that came to me I don't know, a week or so ago, and I shared it with my staff, so I'm looking at Steve and like, shh, don't. Um, boy, it'd be great if I knew how this worked. There we go. We'll see. Um, 
There's a story that you've probably heard before, and and what I want to do today, I think, is take a look at a few stories and see if there's a different meaning in some of them. There's a story about a farmer who was out chopping wood. Winter had come early that year, and he was trying to gather wood at the last minute for the winter to keep himself warm, to heat his little, small little shack out in the woods. And he was out chopping wood, and as he was chopping wood, he, uh, he took a step back. He was startled. There was a, a rattlesnake there. And the story goes that the, the snake was cold, and it was freezing, and it was, it was dying in the cold. And I know some of you are saying, good, let it die. <laughs> the snake says, uh, please help me. And the farmer says, well, you're a nasty snake. You're going to bite me. I'm going to swell up and be dead. No, no, I, I promise I won't bite you. Just take me someplace warm. And so the farmer feels compassion, and he picks up the snake, and he takes it inside, and he lays it by the fire. And he goes back out, and he chops wood. And finally, he's done chopping wood, and he brings it in, and he stacks the last of it there. And this time, as he goes into the cabin, the snake has gotten warm. It's no longer freezing. It's no longer dying. It's no longer shivering in the cold. And as he puts down the last piece of wood, the snake bites him. And the farmer says, why would you do that? You promised me you wouldn't. And if you know the story, most of the time it ends with, well, you knew what I was when you picked me up. And there's a message there. But we'll get back to it. In, uh, oh, good, it worked. In Matthew 25, there's a story that we're all familiar with. Jesus talks about the Son of Man coming in his glory and all the angels before him. And they're going to gather the nations. And he's going to put the sheep on his right, you guys, and the goats on the left. Sorry. (laughs) Should have thought before you sat there. (laughs) And I've always looked at this scripture as as being a call for us to go out and we should have clothing centers and food banks and, and all that kind of stuff. And certainly, there's a lot of churches who use this as their social programs, as the guiding light for their social programs. And there is nothing wrong with caring for the hungry, the thirsty, stranger, you welcomed me in, naked, you clothed me, sick, and you visited me, I was in prison, and you came to me. Nothing wrong with that, is there? But what's this scripture talking about? When do we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them truly. I say to you, as you did it to the least one of these brothers, you did it to me. And so who are Jesus' brothers and sisters? Us. So wait, we're... We're hungry and thirsty and naked and all those bad things? Probably, if we're living right, the world doesn't like us much. You guys, the left side. <laughs> and these, guys are, these guys are a little better. Jesus is, is talking about, I think, how the nations are treating his brothers and sisters. 
I had not looked at that scripture that way until recently. That's us. This is not necessarily a call for the church to go out and to help the hungry and the thirsty and whatever. We should probably already be doing that. This is what's worse. You know what our call is? All those people on the left who are abusing us and keeping us hungry and thirsty and not ministering to our needs, those are the people we're supposed to have compassion for, that we're supposed to love, that we're supposed to not, con- not condemn because they're condemning themselves. We should be loving those people in the world. How do I know that? Well, because while we were sinners... Let's see if this oh, oh, don't get ahead of it. For while we were still weak, the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is uh, kind of the tough part. While we were still sinners, while we were just like those people over there, Christ died for us. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the faith that God has assigned. Here's the thing, and I don't know if you caught it, because I didn't... uh, Some verses say God showed his love for us while we were still enemies, not just sinners, enemies of God. We were those people on the left who didn't show compassion. We were those people who treated Jesus unjustly, unfairly, and Christ died for us. And this is my warning, I think, for the church because I feel like this is so easy to do. Not thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. What separates you today from these people? The murderers, the homosexuals, the rapists, is one word grace we've been covered by Christ's blood that is the difference it is so easy for us to sit in church Sunday after Sunday and condemn the world the world's ready to be condemned that judgment is coming what we've been called to do is to show compassion is to bring in the lost is to communicate that we care and that there's, more importantly, a God who cares for all of these people who are lost. There's, uh, 
another scripture. I think this is fairly masterful too. Like Jesus needs me to say that. But um, Jesus is in a boat by the sea. And I'm pretty certain that across the way, there were probably farmers out in the field and they were planting. It seems logical. And I can see Jesus looking across and pointing to them. And then he says this. A sower went out to sow. And as he was sowing, scattering seed, some of it fell along the roadside, and the birds ate it. And some of it fell in the rocky soil, and it grew up, but then it died, because it had no depth of root. And some of it, some of it fell among the the thorns and the thistles and the weeds, and it got choked out. And I always identified the story with being the sower, the farmer. Anybody else? We're the farmer, right? We're spreading seed. But what if we're not? What if we're the soil? What if you're here today and a long time ago, the seed that was planted in you, that seed of Christ, that seed of compassion, that that grace that was planted in your life was taken away because you were hard-hearted. You keep coming. You keep sitting here Sunday after Sunday. You're listening to Jordan. You may even read your Bible, but there is nothing in here for Christ. Maybe you're the soil. Maybe, maybe when, when you heard the word initially and it was planted in your life and, and it took off in you like a, a fire burning inside you and you go, yes, this is what I've needed all my life. And you grow up and you bloom and for whatever reason, your love for Christ dies. And you're still here and you still sit here Sunday after Sunday but there's no love for Christ left in you. That seed is gone. And this is where I think most of us are. I'll be honest. I think most of us here today, man, there's too many things out there in the world that we love, isn't there? I love my toys. My computers and my board games and my junk. And it doesn't mean anything. But all those things that we allow to crowd our lives, they choke off the love of Christ in our life. They can't become more important to us than Christ. And maybe they have. And maybe we've lost the love of Christ that should be driving our lives. So this farmer, he chopped his wood, and he sees the snake. He feels compassion, and he takes it in. And the snake bites him and says, you knew what I was when you picked me up. But you know what? That story is not about the snake. I didn't realize that until just recently. The story is about the farmer. 
right? The story is about someone who cared enough about another life to put himself at risk. To show compassion to all those people on the left who abuse them. Guys, that's what we're called to do. We are called to be the farmer in the story. We are called to sow the seed. How much seed have you been sowing for the cause of Christ? Are you out there sharing the love of Christ through your life? Are you holding it in? In fact, more importantly, do you have any love for Christ within you? Because you have the opportunity to change the, the nature of your soil. You can change the makeup of your soil. You can break up that hard-heartedness. Get a little ortho and spray the weeds. It'll be fine. Get rid of some of the junk in your lives that are crowding Christ and give him first place because we are called to be people of compassion. We are called to love the unlovely just like Christ did. Most importantly, we are called to be like Christ, to sow that seed. The world has heard the voice of Christians for far too long condemning them. What they need is for us to offer them Jesus Christ. There's a story. Um, there's a guy who uh, I probably shared this before, but a guy who uh, runs a church called Triple X Church, and his ministry is to the porn industry. And he buys a booth at. I didn't know there were porn conventions, but apparently there are. And he buys a booth at their convention so he can sit there and pass out things about the gospel. And he was interviewed. He and the, the head of this were, were both interviewed together. And uh, they asked the, the porn guy, whatever, he said, uh, what do you think of him? Uh, whatever, he's okay. I think he believes whatever his stuff. I... And he said, I was, I was sitting there trying to think because I figured they would ask me the same question. What do you think of him? And instead they ask. What do you think? Do you think he's going to hell because he's leading this pornography? He said, no. I think he's going to hell because he doesn't know Jesus. These people on the left, they're going to hell because they don't know Jesus. And our only job and our only motivation is to love the unlovely and to stop withholding love because they're living the way they're living because they don't know any different. It is our job to be farmers. It is our job to spread the seed. It is our job to spread the love of Christ in their hearts so that they can make better choices. That's what we've been called to do. And they won't like it. They probably won't respond to it. And they may treat us horribly. But that's what we've been called to do. I am broken. I'll be the first to admit this. I, I am so terribly, terribly broken. But I'll, I'll share with you, there are people at work that know that I'm a Christian. And sometimes I have to apologize um, for a lot of things. But there are people who have come into my office 
crying and saying, would you pray for me? Yeah. You want me to close the door? No. Aren't you afraid you're going to get in trouble? I may. Totally feasible. I've already been talked to once. Hey, why not? But we have been called to show compassion on people, our number one priority. And if I'm broken, and so are you, we can still do that. So when somebody meets you in the hallway, or they meet you on the street corner, and they say, I'm going through this in my life, I'd really like for you to pray for me. Don't go home and pray for them. Pray for them right there. Pull them aside and pray and speak the word of God into their life. And as you go, plant those seeds for Christ. Maybe start with your own soil. Break it up so that the love of Christ can live abundantly in you. If there's a decision you need to make, why don't you come as we sing?